Hello, and welcome to The Common Room, the European Waves podcast. I'm Catherine, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today is Monday, the 4th of April, and we're recording at Yoke Workspace in Krakow, with guests joining us from the Digital Lab at Leiden University and from Barcelona. Now, today we're going to be talking about a subject that's very dear to the hearts of EPS students, and that is train and bus travel. We'll be focusing on train travel from a student perspective, and we hope you enjoy it and learn something new. I'm joined today by four very special guests who will each talk about a different aspect of train and bus travel in Europe. We have Ruben, Carl, Olga, and Vonder. Now, I wanted to ask each of you to introduce yourselves, and since we're joining from all over Europe, maybe you could let me know where you are right now and tell me what is your favorite train or bus route that you've taken. Olga, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. First of all, I'm very thankful to European Waves for having me here today. This is a very big pleasure for me. So right now I'm in Leiden and we are here recording the the, the podcast. And uh, basically the, the most exciting trip that I've ever taken was the trip across Italy back in 2018. It was uh, a bus trip that I took together with my friends and we basically traveled across the whole country by bus starting from Milano then going to Venice then from Venice to Pisa then from Pisa to Florence then uh, from Florence to Rome from Rome to Napoli and uh, from Napoli to Foggia and only from this tiny city uh, in the south we had to take the train the only time and I'm saying uh, we had to because basically in Italy uh, trains are way more expensive than buses and uh, when we talk about big international companies buses are way more convenient in terms of price and because we did a lot of our booking in advance with Flixbus there were some tickets that we bought at the price of five euros <laughs> so it's it's very nice experience for students traveling with a low budget especially also if you have some night buses when uh, you can sleep there during the night and uh, save some money with hostels and uh, just some student accommodation so yeah that that was the most exciting thing I believe and um, it's very nice to to have this kind of experience yeah wow that sounds like an awesome trip Carl what about you yeah hello everyone first of all I also want to thank uh, European Waves uh, for dedicating a whole episode uh, to the benefits and problems of sustainable travel I think this is a very important discussion and uh, of course thank you as well for having me here and letting uh, me share my thoughts on this topic I'm together with Olga in, in Leiden, and I have two train trips which really stacked in my mind. Uh, one is a rather short run from Prague to Leipzig, and it's special because I, I studied in Prague before, and Leipzig is my hometown. Um, also, two wonderful train stations, two of my favorite train stations, and the, the train ride is very nice along the Elbe River uh, with the mountains, uh, Saxonian Switzerland. Um, it's it's, it's an awesome route. And another train ride, which I really enjoyed, was from Granada in the south of Spain to Madrid, uh, to the capital. And the train trip is very slow. It, it takes longer than the bus, uh, but it's wonderful. There are no streets around. There's just the train track. And there's so many uh, olive trees and small villages. I, I really enjoyed the, the ride. And with the Andalusian uh, light, it was, it was awesome as well. Wow. Wonder, what about you? Hi, Catherine. I'm sitting right opposite to you in Krakow. Um, and my best train ride, obviously, I think you already know, was the Transmongolian. It's not very fast. It was 40 kilometers an hour at times, but it was really, really nice. And the views are just amazing. 
Awesome. Ruben, what was your favorite train journey? Hey, hi, hi everyone. Um, I'm Ruben here in, in Barcelona. It's also, it's, it's amazing to finally be on the European Waves podcast. Um, I mean, I worked on European Waves last year, and now it's great to have the, the whole podcast thing set up. So it's amazing to join as a second year with the with essentially what has been a, 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 an amazing project for, um, from the first years. So my favorite train ride is probably from London um, right up to the northern tip of Scotland. Um, and basically, it's, it's three stretches of about four hours, but every train gets significantly slower than the previous one, um, but the landscape also gets more beautiful. So the first stretch is four hours from London to Edinburgh, and then Edinburgh to Inverness, and then Inverness to the north coast, and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's amazing. Stunning, stunning beaches, mountains, it has, it has a bit of everything. That's awesome. Now I have four new journeys to add to my bucket list. I think my favorite train journey that I've done was this past January when I went from Prague to Barcelona um, over a few days via train. So these all sound like some amazing journeys, but one thing that I've noticed since being in Europe is that in a lot of countries, it's often way cheaper to fly than it is to take the train. So Ruben, why is it like Yeah, well, it's, it's quite a complicated question. There's some sort of some reasons which seem quite obvious and others which are, which are less so. I mean, one big difference, of course, between, between trains and planes um, is that trains have tracks and, um, and planes do not. And that's a, a simple physical issue which, which has fairly large consequences. There, there's no construction of tracks required for, for planes, um, whereas there are, there are for trains. And that's, that can be quite expensive because obviously you need not only to build the tracks, but only to to acquire the land, and then you need to, to actually build build and maintain um, these railway tracks, which can be quite expensive. For example, a lot of the, a lot of the tracks involve copper, which is a, a fairly expensive material. So even once the line has been constructed, the costs can remain quite quite high. But then, of course, there's also a lot of policy issues here, which is which is where it gets gets more interesting. I mean, for aviation, the main cost is, is kerosene, and that is still untaxed in, in, in the EU. Um, the Netherlands last year introduced an indirect tax, um, but that's simply seven euros per, per ticket. So that's peanuts compared to the price um, of, of railway tickets generally. So yeah, the, the question is also why why is that the case? You know why um, why is there still no tax on kerosene when it's when it's such uh, cl- clearly such a polluting issue um, flying? I mean, this is quite, and this has a strong historical background. After World War II, um, the idea was worldwide to to stimulate international traffic. And especially um, for the EU now today, this still makes sense, right? Because the EU loves to have its citizens moving around the continent, mixing cultures, creating a greater sense of unity. And aviation has done some great things, um, especially the... um, that it's become so much cheaper in a way is good because it's made travel more accessible as a whole. Um, it's not that long ago that travel was was more of an elite thing, like only um, really rich people could go on holidays to other countries. And now that's accessible to a, to a larger part of the population, which is, which is great. And obviously that's not something that in principle we want to change. Um, it's, it's very important that that inclusivity and sustainability are not opposing forces, but mutually mutually reinforcing. So, although like taxing kerosene more to make to make plane tickets more expensive in this day and age is not a bad thing, 
Um, it's also important to to work on making the sustainable options more more financially accessible. Now, as I pointed out, rail has some some fixed costs, the tracks especially, which make it fundamentally diff- different from from aviation. Um, and that explains some of the challenges that the EU has faced, like with it adopting measures to make it cheaper. And what's interesting is that for a large part, these efforts have been modelled on what it did in the aviation sector and some of the reasons why it's struggling to do so in the railway sector is down to these differences between between rail and aviation. I mean, one thing which which obviously always has a, po- a positive effect is, is public funding in one way or another. Um, and the tax exemption on kerosene can be seen as a um, as a form of a subsidy, essentially. Um, so that's a, a way that public funding contributed to to making aviation accessible. Um, and now the EU is trying to do similar things for, for rail. So there's significant financial support for for high speed rail development. And now the European Commission is also considering a long overdue tax exemption for for, for railway tickets. But you know. Tickets are still very expensive um, a lot of the times. And so something else that the EU is trying to do to make it cheaper is to introduce competition to the sector. And that competition is something which worked really well in the aviation sector, but it's a bit more complex in, in, the, in the railway sector. And one of those reasons, again, is the existence of these tracks, right? So um, in, the, in the railway sector, you have infrastructure management, um, which, is, which is a crucial part of of the railway sector, which simply doesn't exist as much in the aviation sector, because in the sky there's no there's no real infrastructure, and this this infrastructure requires a lot of investment, which traditionally was done by by governments, and governments also ran the services, and now by introducing competition, that's being split, um, and then it's sometimes less clear who's going to make these investments if it's not the governments doing it anymore, and another challenge is that that um, that lots of railway tracks run across borders, especially if we want to integrate like European train travel, that we need good cross-border connections. And competition there can be challenging, right? Because then you need companies um, from one country to be able to operate on the tracks in another country, which essentially is possible, um, but it requires a lot of good agreements to be be in place. Um, And in some areas of Europe, like this competition has been introduced and has and is working reasonably well in Central Europe, for example, um, where we have some more on-track competition in some areas, such as in the Czech Republic, where um, where we all started that program in Prague. But then other member states are much more hesitant to introducing these measures, uh, and often with good reasons. Like, for example, in the Netherlands, the government awards a public service obligation to like the whole um, main network to the Dutch National Railway Company every 10 years. And basically the argument is that if you had competition on a network which is as dense as the Dutch railway network, it would come at the expense of the, the reliability of the network as a whole. And it would you know, create more kind of chaos on the tracks. And that's something which you know you, you, you can see in the UK where they also introduced where they did introduce a lot of a lot of competition like on the main railway network and it's created weird situations where you have a train go you know two minutes later than the first one and then you have to wait 38 minutes for the next one like the whole timetable has become a bit chaotic because you have these different companies kind of all doing their own thing and that kind of ties into you know one crucial point and that is that you know well railway traditionally has been public service and it still is an important service in the sense that it gets people to work daily in a lot of areas and that requires you know a lot of reliability 
in a way that the aviation sector has been able to be more flexible, right? There's less people who travel by plane to work every day. There are some people who do it, um, but generally not as much as, in, uh, as by rail. Um, and that's meant that, you know, the competition side has had a lot more kind of scope to, to be creative in the rail in the aviation sector because there's not been a public service, which we need to keep in place as well, such as there is in the, in the, in the railway sector. So, you know, personally, I'd say it would be good to have a, a sort of a distinction between short distance domestic travel, um, which can be run as more of a public service, and then long distance railway travel, which can be more like um, the models used in the aviation sector, and you can have some form of competition. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I think we have so many different models of train travel in different European countries that it's really interesting to compare, like you were mentioning, the United Kingdom to the Czech Republic and whatnot. But even it seems like even regardless of price, sometimes it can be really, really hard to just figure out timetables and itineraries, especially traveling through multiple countries. So why is it so hard to do that, especially for us as students? Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point. I mean, when you when you book a flight somewhere, there's several platforms which everyone uses, like Skyscanner and Cheap Tickets, which um, you just type in your destination and you get the various options. I and mean, you can compare the the times it takes to travel there, whether it's direct or not, um, and the different prices. And for rail, there is no integrated ticketing platform like that on an international level. You know, which makes it much more, uh, much less attractive um, to travel internationally by rail because you need to figure out everything yourself, essentially, um, which can be fun if you if you have time to do it. But generally, like you know, if we want to move forward with this, we need we need to improve that situation significantly. And you know, the, the the European Commission and the European Union they they realise this and they want to they want to improve that situation, but it's challenging. Again, and it's challenging because what it requires is for the different railway companies to to share data with one another, um, share data about their their services and the pricing of those services, so that these tickets can be offered like on this um, on this integrated um, ticketing platform. But you know that some of these companies are quite hesitant to do that um, because they're afraid that you know if they give give away their pricing information to the possible competitors, then, you know, they can lose out, like the competitors will say, oh, right, well, then we're going to jump in there and offer cheaper services. And then, you you know, you get this get this situation where essentially we have this prisoner's dilemma, right? Because all the railway companies in the end, um, if they create an integrated ticketing platform, stand to benefit from it because, you know, it will simply be much more attractive to travel by train. But, you know, for an individual company, there are some some risks attached to sharing this data. So at the moment, the, the European Commission is kind of waiting on the companies to try and create a platform like this themselves um, before they legislate and essentially, um, you know, force a platform to be set up. So, you know, it's kind of a waiting game to see what happens at the moment. There's not been that much progress, but yeah, hopefully there will be more soon because it's definitely something that we that we really need for sure. Yeah, definitely. That would be the dream, just being able to anywhere in Europe through one central website. Thanks so much, Ruben. So, Carl, you're involved with Erasmus by Train, which aims to solve a lot of the issues that Ruben has brought up, especially for Erasmus students. So could you talk a little bit about the status quo of transport in the Erasmus Plus program and why exactly it's so problematic? Uh, yeah, of course. I want to start with, with two numbers. 
Erasmus is the largest exchange program in Europe. Uh, we are talking about more than 330,000 participating students uh, before the pandemic per year. But uh, according to the Green Erasmus report, around 70% of these students travel by plane uh, to and from their Erasmus destination. And I think that this is problematic. It, it causes four problems. Of course, we have a climate problem. Flying is the most emission-intensive way to travel, so the program contributes significantly to the European Union's CO2 emissions. But as sustainable travel costs more than other ways of traveling, as uh, Ruben just mentioned, we also have a social justice problem. Socioeconomically disadvantaged students simply cannot afford a sustainable Erasmus exchange. And I think there's also a credibility problem for the European institutions. We all remember how the European Parliament declared a climate emergency in 2019. We all know about the multi-billion European Green Deal. But when it comes to making its own programs sustainable, the European Union remains reluctant. This is not how the European institutions live up to their responsibility, I believe. They have to lead by example. And finally, I see a great opportunity that is being missed. The Erasmus program has been connecting Europe for decades. It really is a great program. But a flight from one big city to another big city hardly contributes anything to this. Students traveling by plane miss so many landscapes, cities, cultures, languages, and encounters with locals and, and, and fellow travelers as well along the way. And, and that's, that's really a missed opportunity. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, one point is very important for me. The choice of transport is not just an individual decision. There are structural reasons, and uh, Ruben mentioned some of them, why students take the plane such as attractive discounts on air travel and insufficient financial support for students who want to travel sustainably. Yeah, I think this issue of it being a structural issue and the sort of balance between sustainability and affordability is a really, really important issue. And so it seems like the European Commission needs to be doing a lot more. Um, but could you explain in a bit more detail what they're doing right now for Erasmus students who want to travel more sustainably and why is it not enough? Yeah, yeah, of course. In its new Erasmus program guide, the European Commission considers for the very first time the high costs for sustainable travel. And I think this is a great success. But I must also say, this can only be a first step. It is unlikely that the new sustainability incentives spark a real change in student travel behavior. And this is for two reasons, I think. First, the amount. Under the new scheme, students who chose a sustainable mode of transport, uh, the Commission understands by this trains, bus and carpooling, receive a single top-up contribution. Currently, this contribution amounts to 50 euros together with up to four days of support. And that's very technical, I know, but all in all, we talk about 90 euros. And anyone who has traveled through Europe by trains knows that this amount often doesn't even come close to making up the cost difference between two cross-border rail tickets and two low-cost airline tickets. And the second reason why the current approach of the Commission is not sufficient is that the implementation is quite bureaucratic. 
The students have to pay for the expensive tickets themselves first. To get part of their costs reimbursed, they have to apply for the travel top-up. And then the international offices of the university, often already overloaded, have to check for each individual student whether the application is justified or not. I think this is not a good approach. Yeah, that does not sound very efficient or helpful whatsoever. Um, but it, there are a lot of organizations doing things to improve train travel for students in Europe. And one of those is your organization, Erasmus by Train. So could you tell us a little bit about what you do and what you propose instead? And how exactly can we improve the situation of Erasmus Plus students in terms of traveling sustainably? Yes, of course. I think there, there are a lot of ways. We, as Erasmus by Train, propose a quite simple solution. We want the European Commission, as the institution responsible for the Erasmus program, to introduce an Erasmus ticket. A ticket to travel to the exchange destination and back home that is completely free of charge, valid for as many trains, buses and ferries as possible, and which allows stops along the way to discover Europe. I think, we think, as Erasmus by train, this would make Erasmus more sustainable, more inclusive and more European. And it would also positively influence the travel behavior of students in the future. We learned this from the Discover EU initiative. More than 90% who received an interrail ticket uh, from this initiative are more likely to take the train in the future. And guess what? Regarding the Erasmus ticket, Erasmus by train, together with the Erasmus Student Network, one of the biggest organizations, uh, student organizations in Europe, we prepared uh, a draft for such a ticket and we will propose it to the uh, European Commission soon. So, so stay tuned. That's amazing to hear, Carl. We look forward to hearing how that goes and um, best of luck with all of that. And so now, Olga, you have a lot of experience taking buses throughout Europe. So what's been your experience with bus travel in Europe and how does it compare to other modes of transport in terms of things like security, luggage, time, how convenient it is? Thank you very much. So basically, I'd like just to start that I'm a newcomer to this sustainable traveling topic. And um, the, the things that I'm going to, to talk about right now are other personal experience, somehow intervening with uh, practical and theoretical information that I learned on my way to this sustainable means of transport. So um, honestly, I adore traveling by buses. And this is like the best thing ever for me. Um, the first uh, significant and uh, very important uh, bus ride, international bus ride that I had was back in uh, 2011. I was 11 at that time and that was a trip from Ukraine to Bulgaria very long one. And uh, the, the first advantage I would like to highlight of, of buses over other means of transport is that they are highly adjustable. For, for example, at that time we traveled with the dancing club and we basically managed to book the whole bus for ourselves and just uh, get the needed permissions and travel across Europe freely and uh, without any worries that we will either miss a plane or want to make it on time for a train. And this is like the, the best, the biggest advantage I would like to highlight. But of course, it's not always applicable because you, you don't always travel in uh, such a big groups. Then uh, I would like to also say that uh, 
Uh, the majority of my uh, bus rides took place during the first semester in Prague. Uh, I was traveling a lot from from Prague to Krakow, from Prague to Lviv, from uh, Prague to Leiden and to The Hague. And uh, the longest bus ride I had was basically 24 hours. <laughs> that ride was a little bit tiresome, I would say, but still very nice as, as a general experience. And uh, for me, traveling by bus is mostly more exciting than traveling by train, because from my experience, I can say that buses more often go inside the city center. So you can basically see some historical places from, from the window. And with, with the train, we'd rather go around and you can only enjoy some fields and some of course picturesque uh, views but mm, they won't be as much exciting like from my perspective from here and uh, with bus it's also very interesting that buses make these weird stops <laughs> in the middle of nowhere so you can basically visit a local i don't know store and buy some food there during this 20 minute bus break and once that happened to me uh, we stopped somewhere in hungary at the gas station and i managed to, to get some local food there and uh, they got me the change with like with their currency with foreigns and it was like just just the tiny stop, but I lived the whole different experience there and it's just also very interesting tiny but um, nice advantage of traveling by bus. Yeah, yeah. For example, in January, I was taking a bus in the Czech countryside, and it was really cool to just see the bus stop literally in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. And this woman just got off the bus, and I'm like, "Where are you going? Where Where could you be going to? Like, we're in the middle of nowhere." But it's really cool to see those parts of the country that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Thank you very much. Ruben has already mentioned a very relevant issue from my perspective as well, is that traveling by trains is not very comfortably when we talk about international travels. It's nice to travel inside the country and I completely agree that it's the best means of transport in this respect because it's fast, convenient and safe. But on the other hand, uh, I would say that it's very difficult to plan a long distance trip from one country to another and you have to figure out all these different train stops and the locations, the stations, the peculiarities <laughs> and everything. But if you travel by bus, it's just uh, it can be really long, long distance trip uh, that you just um, get into one city and you get out in, into another one without any further complications in this respect. Uh, in terms of uh, safety, uh, I would say that um, trains are more reliable in this respect. We know that the majority of road accidents uh, took place on the road. In terms of luggage, I think that trains and buses um, can be seen equally, equally convenient. Uh, whereas while talking about planes, um, students often are reluctant to take planes to long distance to another countries uh, because they might uh, have to pay extra for, for the luggage, especially if you travel with a lot of luggage. And uh, uh, with respect to time, uh, of course, the, the, the plane will win. Uh, the plane is the, the most convenient way in this respect. Ruben and Carl have mentioned that uh, trains are very often expensive and that was very surprising to me in Italy that 
basically it was way more expensive to travel across Italy by their Treno Italia, if I'm not mistaken, uh, than traveling by bus, by this big international uh, company, transport companies, Flixbus. Basically with Flixbus you can buy the tickets at, at the discount, at the sale, and it's super convenient. And I wonder why, why there are no discounts and sales for train tickets ever. I've never seen that in my life, and this is just very interesting that um, governments should be interested in providing um, that kind of service ad- and advantage as well. Uh, in terms of sustainability, uh, I would like to say that this question is very dependable on some contextual variables. Greta Thunberg once mentioned that we all should take trains and uh, avoid other types of transportation because of uh, this excessive carbon impact. And in general, transportation sector accounts for 23% of total greenhouse gas emission. But I'd like just to provide some of the statistics that I've learned from very interesting research um, conducted by the National uh, National Geographic. Uh, so basically they compared the trip from Toronto to New York and how sustainable it will be and how convenient it will be for people. And basically uh, with plane uh, it will be 500 kilometers, with bus it will be 700 kilometers and with train it will be 900 kilometers approximately. So we see that the smallest distance comes with a plane and this, from this perspective it might be the most uh, convenient means of transport in terms of time, but this way won't be sustainable because the, the emission would be significant. And according to National Geographic, I would like to say that going by bus would be the most sustainable way to get from the New York to Toronto or from Toronto to New York. That was very interesting and surprising for me. And basically the, the next thing that surprised me in this research that the emission from train and from plane in this trip will be almost the same. Train is just slightly more sustainable than plane in this respect. So basically we also have to take into consideration uh, such variables as um, the location, the distance, the number of people traveling, of course the infrastructure of the road, etc., etc. But as we see, buses, they... Uh, they also have a say in this big discussion of uh, sustainable means of transport and how convenient and at the same time uh, eco-friendly it can be. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Thank you. I just wanted to touch like on the on the example you mentioned of traveling um, from Toronto to New York, uh, because that raises an interesting point, right? Because um, if you travel from Toronto to New York, there's a there's a big lake, Lake Ontario, which is basically in the way. So that indeed creates a situation where, you know, traveling by land um, is at a disadvantage compared to traveling by, by sky, by plane. And those are kind of the kind of situations where, you know, indeed, like even in terms of emissions, like traveling by, by plane is not the worst idea. And also, especially um, when, when distances get even larger, like if you're traveling from I don't know, Greece to Norway in Europe, and you need to cover across multiple seas, and it's, and it's a, a simply a very large distance, then, you know, we're, we're not fundamentally against um, planes in general. Sometimes planes are very useful and very good. But I'd say that the main problem is when, you know, even a, a connection, like you mentioned in, in, in Italy, and you have the same here in Spain, where a connection from one side of the country to the other is really doable by train. They've got a great high-speed railway network, 
but the flights are still cheaper, you know? So then it's not a question of geography, but simply a question of price. Um, I think that's where the, the, the real the real issue lies. We need to be very sure that like um, people can take the plane out of geographical considerations, but when it's um, when it simply comes down to financial considerations, that's a big problem. Um, it's simply a um, a sector which needs to significantly reduce its prices relatively to those in the aviation sector. Yes, thank you so much, Olga. Uh, I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned the benefits of of slow travel and how great stops are along the way. I think it is very important to not think about traveling just from getting from point A to point B, but really to feel the distance in between and discover the space uh, which is in between A and B. Uh, I think this is really like core of traveling. And also, as you mentioned, that uh, you're not aware of so many discounts and sales for train tickets, I wanted to share two of my favorite discounts. One uh, is coupons from Deutsche Bahn, from the German national uh, rail company. You get them in a lot of like suites. I don't want to uh, mention names. I don't want to make publicity for these companies, but uh, you will find them if you look for them. And also, which is uh, great, are the Black Friday offers, uh, especially from Renfe, I think, from the Spanish uh, train company. If you want to get from France, from Paris or Lyon to Spain, they offer very attractive uh, prices. Thank you very much, Carl, and thank you, Ruben. So I, I indeed, I don't know a lot about trains discounts, and it sounds something like from outer space for me. The only discount for trains I am familiar with is the one that you can get with your student card, but it's, again, not applicable everywhere, I guess. It depends on country, and very often countries would rather require their local student cards, national student cards. And in terms of uh, Ruben have said, I completely agree. For, for example, I'm not th that much fanatic uh, in terms of sustainable travels, and I always try to find the, the perfect balance uh, between sustainability and convenience, something that would not discourage me from traveling sustainably in the future, something that would still make me love traveling sustainably. Yeah, that's a great point. And Olga, I think you raised a lot of important trade-offs between taking the train and bus. Sometimes in Prague, for example, the trains can be so much cheaper. But when I was moving to Krakow, I had so much luggage with me that it can be really complicated to take that with you on a train. So even though it was a bit more expensive, it was more convenient to take the bus to Krakow. So that was a good point. Especially because there is no good connection between different countries, train connections. Having a lot of luggage with you would be a complete disaster from my perspective. <laughs> from the perspective of the person who can easily get lost everywhere, it's so much challenging and stressful to travel for me uh, by trains from one country to another. I would rather go by bus and just enjoy everything and be relaxed on my way. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any challenges with bus travel during the pandemic? There was a bitter experience when my COVID certificate was about to expire and bus uh, wasn't able to make it on time <laughs> to the border. And it was very challenging and stressful until the last moment. I didn't know, will they let me inside the country with expired COVID test or not? And it was very, very uh, <laughs> stressful and nervous moment. And on the other hand, I would like to say that traveling by buses also have some disadvantages from different respect. Uh, I would like to talk about the Flixbus in particular as a big transport company. Uh, so they have the application which I believe 
has not been updated for a while and it doesn't work properly all the time, especially I had the issues a couple of times. I had this issue uh, when uh, the bus was coming late with a significant delay or it wasn't coming at all. And the problem is that we are the app, you cannot learn what's happening there. Is your bus coming? Have you already missed it? And it's very challenging and you don't know how to, to figure everything out, especially in the uh, moments of stress and when you're in this limited um, time and you have the other means of transportation waiting for you somewhere else. So uh, I still believe that you have to find the most convenient way for combining traveling sustainably and traveling comfortably. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Olga, for your insight about buses. It was lovely to hear from you. So, Wander, um, we've talked a lot about the challenges with train and bus travel, but we wanted to give our listeners some practical advice and talk about some of the ways traveling by train during your Erasmus can be really amazing. So, Wander, are there any new initiatives that Erasmus students can take advantage of to make traveling by train easier? Uh, yeah, for sure, there are a ton. Um, first, I want to give a big shout out to Carl and his colleagues for the Erasmus by Train program. I think they're doing a lot of good work and I really recommend going to their site to see what local initiatives are happening as well. Then there's also the Green Erasmus project happening right now, which is a combination of the international student associations and the universities as well. And they're doing a lot of nice research. And then Carl already touched on it. I think there's the top-up program, which is a lot of critique and can be improved quite a lot, but which still offers quite some nice uh, discounts for students and it's as Carl mentioned 50 euros a day and then 15 euros a day for every day you spend traveling um, so it can be up to 120 euros and it counts for both the train but also bus and also which I found was quite cool carpool and ferries as well um, and all you have to do and it's still a bit bureaucratic is have your sen confirmation sent to the university which means that if you go by carpool you have to send tickets of the gas prices or, and uh, some university websites even advise to send a photo of you carpooling, which I thought was quite funny. And then you have to upload it to the Erasmus database um, and then you'll be reimbursed afterwards for your extra travel cost partially. Um, and this goes both if you go either one way sustainable or if you go both ways. So even if you feel like you might want to check out the train one time, but still want to go back by plane, uh, then you can try it once and you'll still be up for the program. And then there are a lot of local initiatives which you really have to reach out to to your international office. So when doing some research, I saw that some German universities even give you 400 euros if you do part of your travel by bike, which I found was a very intriguing and Dutch project to do. Um, and then there are a lot of extra funds based on your local university. But that can be a bit of a mess. So that's something you have to reach out to for. Cool. Thank you. So also as EPS students, we live in and travel through multiple countries all the way from Barcelona to Krakow, Prague and Leiden. Do you have any tips for students in the EPS program making these journeys by train? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of them have been mentioned already, but there are quite stark price differences. So first of all would be to look out for sales. As mentioned already, Black Friday is a great way to get really cheap tickets. My uh, ticket from Paris to Barcelona was not even 30 euros. I'm not sure if I could have done that by plane if I also include the uh, right to and from the airport. Um, then obviously, but buy your ticket in advance, it made such a huge difference. And then also take a look at student discounts. And I think from my experience, this is especially the case in, for example, Czechia, where you can get really, really cheap train tickets with your student card. And then there are some sites which you really have to look into. Uh, the Man is at 61. 
uh, the Deutsche Bahn site, which is as close as we're getting nowadays to a universal site for making bookings. And once again, Erasmus by Train Point EU. And then last but not least, I think we mentioned it multiple times already, keep in mind what your purpose is. Do you really just want to get to your destination or do you maybe want to check out Berlin on the way? Do you want to have a lunch in Paris? Um, I think the opportunities are quite limitless when you travel by train. And for me, it has not only been a lot of fun, but also a really good excuse to have some short city trips on the way. Uh, I think it's been the same for you, as you mentioned, to Barcelona. And I think a lot of us who are not that much in a hurry, we're not going to a Congress or not going to a business event, we have the time to book often cheaper train tickets and just have one or two nights on our way, which I think is a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I can vouch for the Man in Seat 61 <laughs> site. That's kind of how I planned my multi-day overnight trip um, to Barcelona. So yeah, what would you tell to students who are debating whether they should fly or take a train? Okay, so first of all, I'm very biased and I'm also in quite of a luxury position that I've always been able to take the train. And I think a lot of different arguments can be based on what your uh, importance is. Uh, first, and that's for me the, the main argument, it's green and sustainable. And I think for a lot of us, that's the main reason why we choose to travel by train. But then there are some other arguments that can be made as well. I think for me, it's often very practical. As you mentioned, we go to different cities. We stay there for a few months. I tend to bring quite a lot of luggage. And I think that doing that on an airplane would be very expensive and annoying as well. Uh, and then there's also the part where you just go from city center to city center. So to me, I have nightmares about going to Schiphol, uh, being on time, going through securities. And then I have just train stations, which I really tend to love and which are really nice to hang around and also really uh, convenient if you want to go to another place with a lot of language. Uh, and then the last argument, which I think should not be overlooked, it's just very fun and it's very comfortable. As a kind of tall guy, you have a lot more leg space. I looked it up on, ex on approximately nine centimeters more, which for me makes all the difference between a four hour hell and an eight hour delight. Uh, then the view, which is obviously quite good, especially if you tend to go a bit further distances. Maybe it's not something that's very important, but again, one of my traumas used to be airplane food. And I really love the diners in trains. It's very social. I tend to meet a lot of people who I really enjoy chatting with on the train instead of just getting annoyed by crying babies or snoring people. And then there's also just a certain romance to it. I think you have the same. There's just some magic in, in going from one European city to another by train. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah. I think especially coming from a country that doesn't have very great train infrastructure um, from the U.S. being in Europe and like you said, going from city center to city center and not having to worry about taking a metro or a bus from the airport or something or a taxi and just hopping off the train and being in the middle of Paris or Barcelona um, just has a major appeal to it that sometimes if it's, you know, a slight price difference and not a major one, like it makes me want to choose the train, even if it's a little bit more expensive, um, which is definitely like a privileged position to be able to be in. But it also can save money. For example, in the train journey that I took, I it was an overnight sleeper train from Prague to Zurich. So that basically pays for one night of accommodation as well. So um, it definitely helps to calculate it that way too. But do you think that the experience has gotten better over the past few years for students trying to travel by train around Europe? Yeah, I, I very much believe so. And I think that for me, that most has to do with information being accessible on the internet in English. Just the sheer fact that Google Translate has gotten better and that I'm now able to use the Polish uh, real surface site makes it a lot more accessible for me to take the train here. 
Um, so I think it has improved a lot and has become, in that sense, a lot more accessible. That being said, obviously, as I think we have talked about thoroughly, there's a lot to be improved on. If you could fix one thing about train or bus travel throughout Europe, whether it was price or time, connections, availability, what would that one thing be? For me, I once spent over 250 hours in the train when doing the Trans-Mongolian. So I think I can't go for time anymore. That's not a valid option. Uh, I would very much say price. Yeah, I mean, to me, it has to be price because we've talked about you know, some of the other things, like in terms of you know the time that it takes to travel or you know, how many services there are. And these are all things which, in a way, you can work around. You can like work on the journey. Um, you can change somewhere and try to combine it with a city trip, like all the things that one was just explained. So the, the one thing that you can't change, you know, especially as a student that you can't be as flexible with is the, the price of tickets. Um, and one that's just, you know, provided a great list of, of options for, um, for discounts and various ways that you can try to find cheaper tickets, which is, which is great. But in the end, like also we need to move structurally um, towards making this a more financially attractive option. So it becomes more, more widely available, not only to the railway enthusiasts who are um, prepared to put in the work for doing the research on the cheaper tickets, um, but you know, having the cheaper tickets widely accessible and, um, and easy to find. I would say that in terms of price, I would agree with Ruben uh, that price is still a decisive factor for the majority of students while choosing the, the means of transport. And uh, for me, the, all the things, all the benefits that you mentioned uh, of train rides are applicable to bus rides. <laughs> they are basically the same. The only thing I would say that I'm lacking while traveling by bus and especially traveling long distance is the comfort. Very often in train, you can still sit more comfortably. There might be the separate compartments as in Harry Potter movie, and you can just chill there with your friends. But with bus, it's less convenient and less comfortable experience, I would say I would change inside the bus <laughs> a little bit. Okay, so the price was already mentioned. So what I would say is really we need a multimodal journey planner. The commission is working on this since decades and didn't really make progress. And now it's really time that the train companies rethink their strategy and all together work on that. I think that technically it's possible we see that the Interrail Journey Planner, for example, works, although, of course, uh, there's also space for improvement. But this is really a project train companies and the European Commission together should work on now. And this would really be a big advantage for, for customers. Yeah, so I think moral of the story is cheaper trains and better coordination would be amazing in Europe. Um, and there's a lot of organizations working to improve that. And thank you guys, Olga, Ruben, Vander, and Carl, for joining us today and sharing all of your insights about train and bus travel in Europe. It was lovely to have you. Um, so thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Common Room Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you very much.